0: You know, we're in this series called Hope is Alive. And when we think about hope, sometimes we depend on circumstances for us to have hope or to feel hope or to have a sense of hope. But as we know, in our world today, I mean, just look at what happens around the world when you watch the news. uh, But even closer to home in our state, uh, our island, there there are a lot of things taking place that can almost seem like, what hope do we have left? I mean, from, from... from uh, people getting sick and health issues or accidents and, and even losing loved ones. There's, there's this up and down of emotions that we go through. And so it can almost feel like there's not that much hope left. But when you know Jesus Christ, you know there is a hope that never dies. It's a hope that is alive because our hope is in Jesus Christ this morning as we talk about hope is alive in this series, we're going to pinpoint a specific area. We're going to be talking about a greater hope. We all have hope. We all have some kind of hope. Oh, I hope my husband does this. I hope my wife does this. I hope my children don't do this. We, we put that kind of hope on people. And it's okay to have that kind of hope. But that, doesn't, that isn't our foundation of hope. It's just the way we think and the way we feel. But God has given us a greater hope. And that greater hope is actually eternal life. See, if, our, if we only think of this world and this earth and, and whatever is happening in this world, that that's all we have, then our hope dies. But if we have a hope that is eternal, now we have a greater hope. This morning we have a special guest and I, I don't like calling her a special guest because she's like family. So, uh, But Tiffany Thurston is, is here with us today and... Uh, I think I met Tiffany about 12 years ago on uh, Oahu with Pastor Wayne Cordero. She was there. And uh, just watching her and and the gift that God gave to her and then her using her gift for the Lord, uh, it sparked my attention because she was young. She still is. But she was just a teenager at that time. So when I saw what God was doing, I thought, Lord, Can we continue to raise up the next generation? And I was the youth pastor at that time here. But whenever I saw young people using their gifts for God, it it continued to give me the vision of this is why we do what we do. It's so more people can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then she eventually became one of the staff members at New Oahu and then did various things. But I want her to share a little bit about that. Would you welcome with me Tiffany Thurston as she comes up? Thank you so much for being with us, Tiff. It's so good to have you. Thank you. Thank you, you, Pastor Sheldon. So some of you know Tiffany. She was here when we had the Katinas concert.
1: Yeah, that was two years ago. Two years ago. around in February.
0: So what got you into singing and doing worship and and that being your passion?
1: So since I was a little girl, I used to sing in the car. My mom used to say I would scream at the top of my lungs to the radio. So I always liked singing. But it wasn't until I was in high school that we, we weren't raised in the church at all. Um, But I would do, like, shows and plays in high school and concert glee, all stuff like that. And then in high school, my mom basically just felt led to buy a Bible one day and Mm. then went to New Hope uh, Oahu's first Easter service, which was 20 years now in April. Well, I guess March now because it's early Easter. So. Basically, she went to that service, wrote, rose her hand, accepted Jesus into her life for the first time, and then she made us go to church after that, <laughs> and including my dad when she could move him.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's just me,
1: my sister, and my dad, and it was through my mom just kind of being faithful, and being probably a praying mom mm-hmm. and wife, and being patient at times for us that she encouraged me. She said, "Tiff, you sing. Why don't you try out for the worship team?" Mm-hmm. And a couple years later, I tried out for the worship team. At the time there was, I think I was 18 and the next youngest was like in their thirties, which is young (laughs) because I'm in my thirties now. But I'm so grateful that they took a risk on a young kid and they just basically brought me by their side and I learned so much. And that was such a fruitful season for me because Mm -hmm. we didn't grow up in the church. So I got to see other people with their walks in the Lord and see how it was played out day to day. And I was so grateful for that. And so that's almost 17 years now I've been wow. serving the Lord.
0: So when you, when you started to uh, do more things for the Lord, you came to a season and started this thing called Bloom. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. So
1: speed up the journey. I had um, sang with New Hope for about 10 years, and then I got this opportunity after coming on staff. I felt like the Lord was kind of leaving me leading me to go off staff. Pastor Wayne was encouraging of that. And a couple months later, out of the blue, I got this opportunity to go on a tour, basically. And it was for this young girls' conference called the Revolve Tour. And I was h- going to be hired as the worship leader. And I had no idea what it was, but I went to the first city in Columbus and it was like every Friday, Saturday, they would go to these different cities in big places in the united states and it was an arena full of eleven thousand teenage girls wow. from 12 to 18 and i remember thinking whoa i wish it was something like this when i was that age but i mm. remember thinking this is incredible lord if i ever have an opportunity to do something like this back home because they weren't coming to hawaii on the tour you know make a way yeah. and so i did that tour for the next six seven years um started singing even backup for one of my heroes natalie grant at the time which was great i learned a lot And I got married in 2012, and I was thinking, okay, Lord, you've brought me back home. My husband's from Hawaii. Um, I'm from Hawaii, but why would I get to see all this, and Mm -hmm. now what do I do? With all the years of experience in ministry and then the years of touring, like, what do I do with this? And I really felt like he was saying, remember that dream to do something here in Hawaii? The time is now. Mm -hmm. And so, literally, it was taking everything that I had learned up until that point which was three years ago, and just kind of diving in for it and not knowing what it was going to look like, but kind of having an idea and a vision of what God had placed on my heart. And that's how Bloom was started. And Bloom is this two-day conference, basically, that happens every June on Oahu. And it's for girls 12 to 22. And the whole idea is to equip them and encourage them to bloom where they're planted and become all that God has created them to be because they all have a specific calling. And Mm -hmm. a pastor once told me this, and it struck me a, a huge chord in me that Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. Mm-hmm. So if we're not investing in tomorrow's leaders today, who will lead us tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And that really hit me, and I just felt like, okay, Lord, I feel like I'm 15 still inside. <laughs> so maybe this is like what you have for me. And, and he just kind of has unraveled the rest.
0: Well, Some of you still feel like 15. I, I watch you guys, so just keep that heart right there. Today we're talking about a greater hope. What does that mean to you?
1: You know, I was talking with Pastor Sheldon. Uh, the past two years have probably been the hardest of my personal life. Um, my dad, who was like my best bud, uh, unexpectedly passed away and went to be with the Lord about a year and a half ago. And um, and then shortly after that, about a year later, on his anniversary, my nephew was like going through unexpected seizures, and he's a tiny little guy, three years old. And then mm. about a Then we went into bloom, and then about a month after that, me and my husband had gotten pregnant and went through a miscarriage unexpectedly. And so there was all these things that kind of had piled up. My dad's being the biggest, obviously. Um, But what that I think what death and tragedy has shown me, that God is still good. Hmm. We had to take his stuff, my dad's stuff, with us from the hospital. He um, had passed away actually from a heart attack actually at church. He was in the worship team, and I said, Oh, Dad, that's the way to go, like... (laughs) Serving the Lord. I don't know if, who, who could top that, right? It's like from glory yeah. to glory, I was yeah. like, "Whoa, that's pretty good, bah. Yeah. And so I remember we were taking his stuff, and I put on one of the things that he had wore, his watch. And the next couple weeks, I just remember I was like, I'd wear the watch, his watch, every single day. And it was super heavy. It was like man watch, you know? But I was like, I can keep him on because it just reminds me of my dad, like he's close. And as the weeks were going on, I felt like the Lord was just giving me these kind of ideas of time and It's really short. It was just saying, like, one, God's timing is perfect, that his timing is perfect, Mm. that even though I didn't understand why I was going through this or why we were going through this, that God knew and that he was in control and that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Mm. And then the second was that time is short, that even though I didn't know that my dad was going to pass away that day, I'm so grateful that he knew I loved him and vice versa Mm. But then how do I live my life today? Like, do I love the ones that I say I love? And have I forgiven the ones I need to forgive? Because honestly, life can go like that. Yeah. And then the last was that we're here for such a time as this. That There's a reason why I'm still, I still have breath in my lungs and mm. life in my limbs. And why is that? Why is that, Lord? What is my purpose? And then how can I carry that out now for the rest of my life? And I think, honestly, that greater hope of heaven mm. is what I think drives the things that I do now. Um, I'm grateful that I know Jesus and that my dad knew Jesus, so I know where he is. I mean, death or loss by itself, I don't know how people do it without Jesus because it's that hope, I think, that has sustained me and my family, and I'm so grateful for that, that we have eternity.
0: Well, thank you for using your gift for the Lord. You have blessed so many people, thousands of people. And especially with Bloom, we hope to hear more about it. And you're going to hear more about it as the months go by. And then Tiffany is going to come up after, um, after our message today. And she's going to share a song with us. So can we just thank Tiffany for sharing with us today? Thank you so Mahalo. much, Tiffany. Yes, thank you. Well, you can take out your notes from your bulletin. And, and as Tiffany was saying, there is a greater hope. And there's a, there is a heaven for you and I. There's a heaven for you and I. That word heaven is used so often. And and sometimes in the context of trying to explain how we feel. Like we'll eat some type of dessert and we'll say, oh my goodness, I'm in. Or you'll you'll go into a a, a jacuzzi after a long season, hard work. You slip into the jacuzzi with some candles and you'll, you'll just say, I am in heaven. So when I met Heidi... No, no, it wasn't, I didn't say I'm in heaven. It, I, it came to that. But I went to her, when I first met her family, came into her house and I opened up her refrigerator and I said, I am in heaven. They had so much food. They had, they had tombstone pizzas. They had, they had uh, like cases of hot dogs. Who has cases of hot dogs? And then they had cases of Simon. Cases. I had two in our cupboard. Two Simon, just two packets. That was a lot for us. I grew up in Waimanala. We didn't have that much. And so when I went to her house, I thought, what are you doing with all this food? Why, why do you have all this food? And then I noticed that not that they ate a lot, but a lot of people came over. People would just come over. And, and some of you are like that. You just welcome people into your home. And I thought, they have a lot Of food, I will never starve here. (laughs) So that was my greater hope. I could always know that I would be fine. And I felt like that's heaven to someone who loves to eat. My grandchildren, about uh, maybe a year or two ago, we were planning to go to Disneyland in three years, which this is gonna be close to a year that we're gonna go. But I remember when they first started thinking about going to Disneyland, they were so excited, every, almost every day they would ask, Papa, are we going to Disneyland yet? I said, No, three years. They don't know the concept of time of three years. So they would continually ask, Papa, are we going to Disneyland? I'll go to Disneyland. I'm like, We can't just jump in the car and then drive. They don't understand that. I said, We, ha- we have to go on an airplane and fly to Disneyland. They're like, Okay, let's go. I'm like, No, we have to save money to go to Disneyland. So we started a Disneyland fund. Well, some time ago, I saw two of them fighting over a toy. And so I'm watching this. You know, from, you, you want to see how they handle it. You, you, you want to see how are they going to solve this problem. Because you don't just want to step in and, and then say, share, too bad, and correct. You want to see how they solve this problem. Well, the older one, Jaden, was trying to take the toy away from the younger one, who's two years younger than him. Four years old, Jaden is six. Jaden is trying to get the toy from Landon who's four years old, and they're fighting back and forth. So I'm watching this. I'm thinking, I want to see how they're going to handle this. Because if they start fighting, then I'll step in. And so they're going back and forth. Give me, I want this. No, you weren't playing with this. Back and forth. And then finally the older one says, Landon, we're going to Disneyland. (laughs) And he's like, really? He says, yeah, in three years we're going to go. And then Landon let go the toy because he had Disneyland on his mind. I thought, this kid is brilliant, Jaden. Brilliant. And what Jaden was trying to say to Landon is, there is something way better than this toy. And I think if we have that concept, if we think about heaven, that we have a home, eternal life, this earth is almost like a toy. Oh, we'll still enjoy it. We'll still have fun here. We're we're still going to learn. We're still going to grow in our relationships together and have our family members and love one another and, and all of the great things God has in store for us. But we cannot lose sight of the greater picture of what lies ahead, a greater hope, and that is eternal life. In the book of Matthew, chapter 13, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'll read the story. But in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, Jesus uh, is is sitting by the sea, and when I read this portion of Scripture, I thought, what was Jesus doing? What, What was he going through? And how was, he, how was he feeling at this moment? I'll read a little bit before that in chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. It says, "While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, "Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, speaking, seeking to speak with you." And Jesus answered and and said to the one who told him this, Who is is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. And then he says this, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. It's like Jesus was giving them a, a better picture of what was happening. It's not just about what happens here on this earth, but what God is doing who resides in heaven. And then in verse 1 of chapter 13, it says, On that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Now here's Jesus addressing things that that we still address today. There's, there's a multitude of people wanting to hear about life and, and what Jesus stood for. And then Jesus brings in heaven, my Father in heaven. It's like Jesus was bringing in not just thoughts, but he was bringing hope to people. That we do have a God in heaven, which means there's some place we're heading. We're heading somewhere. There's a place that we're going to end up. This is not where we end up. Heaven is a is a is is such a hot topic, especially in Hollywood right now, and maybe not for the reasons we would hope it to be, but they're catching on to something. So you hear a lot of movies that will come out of Hollywood that has to do with heaven. There was a, a movie that came out a while ago called Heaven is for Real. You may have saw you may have seen that movie, Heaven is for Real. You may have seen All Dogs Go to Heaven, but still Heaven is in the title. There's a new movie coming out this Easter, and I when I watched this trailer. It, it made me think about the hope that we have in God. I wanted you to watch this trailer, this clip of this movie. And, and part of it is to, to help us to understand that, that God still does miracles. And God still is alive and well and he exists. And that we have a home called heaven. You know, when we see something like that, yeah, it's... it's it's gonna be one of those, you know, tear jerkers. Some of you are already emotional, but I think when we when we have a hope in Christ, it's a it's a greater hope than we realize. Now, the 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 truth is we don't know why some are healed and some are not. We have no idea. We cannot even explain that. We try our very best to to understand these complexities, but we still can't. But what we do understand is this is not our home. See, when we get into fights or arguments or, or there's differences or, or, or we, we, we lose hope here on this earth, we need to be kind of like my grandson and say, we're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. I mean, one day we'll all end up there. It's, it's, a, it's a home that God has for us. Now, some people say, well, how do I get there then? Can I just get there on good behavior? What, what do I do? Listen, it's really nothing we do that gets us to heaven. It's not based on our good works. The Bible says you are saved by grace, that not of your works. Let anyone should boast. It's a free gift. And that's what we're going to learn about today. See, every single person, every single person has an opportunity and a hope far beyond the grave we're going to look at three biblical truths that will help us to understand this greater hope. And here's the first thing. If you want to write some notes, the first thing is this, that I am, or you are, a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. That means that's where you belong. That's your home. Now, heaven may be a hot topic, especially right now, but, but people are interested about heaven. People are wondering about heaven. People wonder, where do we go after we die? Maybe that's why Jesus was so passionate about reaching people. Maybe that's why God was so loving towards us because he knew the end result was a place with him in heaven. But here's, here's 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 the other side to it. Although we are all citizens of heaven, there is a way to get there. Now, we don't need God to be a citizen of heaven in the way of we already are citizens of heaven. So what I mean is you don't need to believe in God to be a citizen of heaven. You already belong there. You understand what I'm saying? It's like God already created us for heaven. That's our final destination. That's our home. So we are already citizens of heaven. So even people who don't believe in God, they're still citizens of heaven. But you want to get there. You want to you get home you're not, you're, we, we don't belong here. We're citizens of heaven. A, a, a citizen is, is someone who they have a homeland. That's their, that's their home base. That's where they are. That's where they're from. They receive benefits because they're citizens in that area. Like being here in Hawaii. I, I love being here in Hawaii. In fact, when we would travel, we went to Oregon some time ago. And this is when uh, Marcus Mariota was playing for the Oregon Ducks in college football. And we went to Costco in Oregon And, you know, you have your Costco card, and so we're shopping. And one of the cashiers says, hey, thanks for the gift. And I say, thanks for the gift. I didn't even do anything. He said, no, no, Mariota. And I'm thinking, the gift? Then I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm in duck country. Or these guys were duck fans. So I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, my son Jordan was with us. He goes, Dad, I tell everybody that's my cousin. I said, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, everybody likes that because I'm from Hawaii. They're like, oh, so you know Marcus Margaret? My cousin. I said, you can't say that's your cousin. Don't say that's your cousin. He goes, well, you know, we're in Hawaii, so we all Ohana, so you're right. He's not my cousin. That's my brother. So I'll go tell him he's my brother. <laughs> but it's like, you know, when I walked out of Costco, I felt like, I felt, I felt honored that I live in Hawaii. You know, I'm walking out and people are saying, Oh, that guy's from Hawaii, that guy's from Hawaii. He knows he knows Marcus Mario. And I'm like, I never met the guy, but hey, I'll I'll take the perks that come with it. I'm I'm fine. But I you know, I felt honored because I lived in Hawaii. And we should feel honored that we're citizens of heaven. We should walk around feeling honored that we have a final home to go to. We're citizens of heaven. This is not our home. Philippians 3.20, it says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. We're citizens of heaven. You know when Jesus was sitting on the seashore and he was just looking out and the multitudes were there, I'm wondering if Jesus was sitting there enjoying Creation. He was there when he was being created. He's part of creation. God spoke and everything came into existence. I'm wondering if Jesus is just sitting on the seashore, just enjoying. But at the same time, understanding that he came for a specific reason in a world that was losing hope. A world full of death, accidents. A world full of pain and suffering and sin. And it's at that moment when the multitudes were gathering, Jesus got up. Because he had a job to do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he spoke to the multitudes about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He didn't just challenge us in the areas of love and live a great life and, and, and God has a, has a plan for your life. He, he did more than that because there was a final result. The result was eternal life. It wasn't just healing here on this earth. It was the final healing, the final resting place of no more pain, no more suffering. And he said there's a final destination for every single person, but you can't get there on your own. You're a citizen of this place called heaven, a perfect place. And I want you to see it. I don't just want to tell you about it. I want you to see it. So I'm going to do something that no one else can. I'm going to make a way for you to come home. To heaven, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Here's the question Are we eagerly waiting or dreadfully living? Are we eagerly waiting for Christ's return? Now, some will go on the extreme, and everything is about Christ's return, and so they're waiting for Jesus to come back, but while they're waiting, that's all they're doing is waiting. It's like they're just standing in line waiting. And so to be effective here on this earth is zero because they're waiting for Jesus. God wants us to be even more effective while we're waiting than just to be here and just take up space. Philippians 1.27, it says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you. And this is Paul the Apostle speaking. He was one who trusted in God, and and he was one who gave his life to Jesus. He says, I I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. He says, I want you to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. So while we're waiting, eagerly waiting, we are to conduct ourselves as if we have good news. So the question I ask myself is, how, do I, how am I conducting myself? And, I, and, and the reason why the Bible says we need to watch how we conduct ourselves is because we are citizens of heaven. We represent our home. So how we live shows what's happening in our home. And we represent heaven we represent the lord as as believers we represent the things of god so he says uh, how are you conducting yourself your your conduct should be worthy of the good news of jesus christ i remember the first time i hung clothes in our in our home in in waimanalo you know in the garage we had these uh the clothes line and so i remember washing clothes and we didn't have a washing machine so i had to do it by hand and the thing is heavy the clothes are heavy If you don't have a washing machine with a spin cycle, my spin cycle was I would go, now's it. Squeeze it out as best as possible. And then I would hang the clothes. Now, my philosophy about hanging clothes was so long as it's hanging, it's fine. Now, some of you are like, oh, you would get lickings from me. And that's where my mom came in. So after I'm done washing clothes and hanging it, my mom comes home and she comes to me and she goes, Sheldon. What did you do with the clothes? And I said, what? She goes, why is it, why is it sloppy? Why does it look like that? I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? She said, the clothes, you hung it wrong. I said, what do you mean I hung it wrong? It's going to dry, right? Isn't that the purpose of it? I mean, it's going to dry. My goal in hanging clothes is not for it to look good, mom. My goal in hanging clothes is, is for it to dry. Isn't that your goal, mom? She goes, no, it needs to look good. said what she goes yeah you know why if you hang clothes like that people are gonna think it's me (laughs) yeah you understand too all the moms are laughing the husbands are like i don't get it no 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 that's exactly what my mom was saying you know what she was saying how clothes were hung represented her so if it was sloppy and messy, to her, it felt like people would pass by and go, wow, Laureen, that's my mom's name. She didn't now hang clothes. She's sloppy. So we went back outside and we redid the whole entire thing. And I did it with a bad attitude. So now when I hang clothes, I always remember that. I got to hang it good. Not for me, but for Heidi. Because people look at it and say, oh, Heidi, she didn't now hang clothes. And then you know what's going to happen? They're going to say, who raised that woman? And then it's going to be her mom. So, you know, it goes up line. We represent the Lord. We represent the Lord. Now people will say, oh, that person, they go New hope. Oh, yeah, they act like that. Yeah, it will come back to a church. Or even the pastor. Who's the pastor of that church? Oh, yeah, that guy. You should see the people that go to that church. But even more than that, we keep going up. We represent the Lord himself. So everything we do it should come out of our representation of the lord because we are citizens of heaven. We actually don't belong here. Which brings us to the second point. Earth is not our home. This is not our home. This is definitely not our home. We have a home in heaven. And that's why how we conduct ourselves must be in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. When we were growing up, I gave my mom such a hard time. And, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would steal. I would, I would use foul language, get into trouble. And so when, when my mom would mention my name, they, people would say, oh, that's your son. Yeah, oh, that one, I don't know Well, that one. <laughs> and my mom would be, I know, I know, I know. And, and uh, you know, I... I now I felt so bad, but, you know, at that time as a, as a child growing up, you don't know those things. You just do what you're going to do, and, and, and you don't know the heartache that your parents are going through when you're, you know, that rascal or kolohe or get into trouble. But it's much different now. Now, when my mom introduces me to people, she says, oh, this is my son Sheldon, and he's a pastor. That's what she says now. It's like, it's like, you know, all the junk that he's been through, he's, he's, he's a pastor now. Like, she has to say that. And If you were to meet my mom on Oahu, she would spark up a conversation to bring me in. She would say, oh, so nice to meet you. Where are you from? Oh, Big Island. Big Island, do you know my son? She'll do that. She meets people on the bus and asks them, where they're from, and if they say the Big Island, she will say, do you know my son Sheldon? And if they don't, she will say, you should, he's a pastor. Like, and I think part of the reason is when you're that, I was going to say, what is the word? I would just use kolohe. Okay, that's the, the word we use in Hawaii, rascal. It, it's like you're representing someone. And because I had a home and that's where I was growing up, it's like my mom now, today. She's able to say, That's my son, but feel proud. And because of Jesus Christ and his righteousness, we can stand before God and God can look at us, regardless of our past, and say, This is my son, this is my daughter. And be proud. Because it's not our good behavior that makes God proud. It's his son Jesus Christ and his righteousness that he clothes us with that makes him proud. Earth is not our home. We, we, home is like a, a rental. Uh, earth is like a rental for us. We're just renting here before we go on to our final home. I think there is no mistake that Jesus was a carpenter. In the book of John, Jesus himself says, I go and prepare a place for you. You trust God, now trust me. If this were not so, I would have told you. But my father's home has many mansions. And when it is ready, and you're ready, I will come and get you. And you'll be where I am, and you'll be with me always. And I thought, is Jesus building my home? What does it look like? God, Well, how are you preparing our house in heaven? What does it look like? Is it, is it houses like here? And I think that there's no mistake that Jesus was a carpenter here. It's like that was his familiarity because he's the builder. That when he came to this earth, that was his passion, building He builds lives, creates, builds a home for us in heaven. You have a final destination. Earth is not our home. Hebrews 13, 14, it says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. You know, sleeping over someone's house when we were growing up, that first time, I don't know if you remember, it may have been uncomfortable. You know, you're sleeping at someone else's house, they're using their blanket, their pillow, and it's like, you didn't wash this pillowcase before I came over? And then you get up in the morning and then you're not used to their, you know, behavior patterns or whatever it is. So it's uncomfortable, the sounds are different, the home smells different, everything's different. But then when you come home, it's like, ah, I'm home, Sometimes when we would sleep over a friend's house, 2 o'clock in the morning, I want to go home. I want to go home. You're like 9 years old. I want to go home. Or our children, I want to come home. You get a phone call. You got to pick them up. Because it's uncomfortable. It's a different place. They're not used to it yet. Because they have a home. Your friend's house, wherever you were sleeping, that wasn't your home. So it was a little uncomfortable. When you travel, you go to a hotel. And oh, we love the hotel room. It's clean. They clean up for you. Of course, you're paying for it, but it's nice. But isn't it, isn't it so good to come home? You come home. You sleep on your own bed. It's like, ah. You sit on your own toilet. It's like, ah. <laughs> it's your home. You're comfortable there. Earth is not our home. That's why we're not comfortable here. That's why you and I long for something else greater. That's why when there's pain and suffering, you feel pain and suffering because this is not our home. We don't belong here. We're just passing through. Now, we belong here for a temporary time because God has a purpose for us and, and he wants us all to be with him. But our final destination is not here on this earth. We look forward to a home yet to come, not backwards to a life that's gone. Now, we constantly look forward to a home Yet to come. Now, some years ago, Heidi and I were, we were renting and, and we were in the process of, of buying a home. And so we visited the place where we were going to build. Or Actually, they were already building. And, and so we said, this is going to be the home for us. And when you know you're going to move into that house, you get excited. Oh, there are some ups and downs when you're going through the process. But the moment you move in, that's your home. And there's a difference between renting and being in your home. You just, there's just a different type of freedom. You don't have to worry about the landlord or, or breaking things and things like that. Of course, when you break things in your own house, you pay for it. So that's the other benefit of having your own home. But that's your home. But it's really a temporary home. Because our final destination is actually not this earth. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2.11, Peter tells us, and Peter was a disciple that followed Jesus Christ. He said, dear friends, I, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires and wa- that wage war against your very souls. Yeah, Peter himself says, you're, you, did you know that you are, you are you're, you're temporary residents and you're foreigners? You don't belong... In this world for eternity, you're not going to be here forever. You're going to go home to heaven. There's going to be a final resting place. So in the meantime, keep away from worldly desires because it wages war against your very soul because that's what's going to heaven, your soul, your spirit. Our spirits far, far outlast our bodies. So he says keep away from those things. In other words, those worldly desires, If we if we... Fall prey to them. We're going to be destroyed from the inside out, not, not from the outside. If we let the outside come in, now it's going to ruin us and destroy us from the inside out. And what we try to do sometimes is, we try to blend in with the world, or we compromise our values, or we give in to temptations because it's too heavy for us. We're living in a rented world with a purchased home in heaven. So we're just passing through. We are temporary residents and foreigners. Okay, so if if there is a a place called heaven, how how do I get there? What what do I have to do? Okay, Jesus already did something for you and I to get to heaven. Heaven is a perfect place. Now, if we were to try to get there, we would have to be perfect. Perfect regardless of what your husband tells you or your wife tells you or you tell yourself, we have some flaws here and there. And on top of that, we have this thing called sin in us. We were born with this sin nature, rebellion against God. Uh, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a sin that has been passed on to the entire human race from the beginning, from Adam and Eve. It's just been passed on. So we're already born into sin. That's why the Bible says we must be born again. Because we're born wrong. We're born into a sinful nature. And that wasn't God's master plan. His master plan was for us to be with him in heaven. But sin separated us from him. So now God says there's a way for you to come back home. I made a way. And that's Jesus dying on the cross, paying for your sin and my sin. So that we could have eternal life. Listen very carefully. Here's the third thing. Eternal life is a free gift. It's free. It's a free gift for you and I. You don't have to pay for it. You did not have, have to pay for your sins. It's a free gift. Now we live in a world full of scams and, and, and full of, uh, of fraud and, and theft. So when, when someone says something is free, there's a little skepticism. We're skeptical. We're saying, wait, what do you mean it's free? Because I, I signed some things before and there was a small print at the bottom and I got taken for some money. So it's not free. I know it's not free. You get a coupon that says free. You turn it in and they say, oh, you have to buy this first. Okay, see, I knew it wasn't free then. I have to do something first. So when it comes to Jesus Christ and God giving us the free gift of eternal life, I can see why we're skeptical. I can see why we're saying, okay, so what's the catch here? God says there's no catch. Eternal life is free for you and I. But it cost Christ everything. So in a way, it did cost something. It's free for us, but cost Jesus his entire life, everything. He stepped out of heaven, a perfect place, got off of his throne, and came as a humble servant, gave it all up so that you and I could have eternal life. Talk about a greater hope. That's the hope that he gives to you and I. Romans 3.23, it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So because we fall short of God's glorious standard, then how do we even get to heaven? How is this free gift happening? Uh, again, I grew up in Waimanalo and we had this, this wonderful joy of having the Manapur man, like food delivered to your home right in front of where you live, but you have to pay. Well, I went to the monopole man, and my uncle was there. And he said, oh, were you going to get something? Now, that implied to me you're going to buy it. So I said, oh, yeah, sure. So I ordered some things, and then the monopole the man said, oh, here's your total. I was like, I don't want money. <laughs> and he said, here's your total. And I just looked at my uncle. My uncle said, you don't want money. I said, no. It's like, how come you ordered it? I was like, I don't know you said. What are you going to order? Yeah, but I'm not saying I'm going to buy them. I said, well, what are we going to do? And he said, i buy them for you. And so he, he purchased it for me. And I told him, thank you. And I thought, sometimes we think good behavior gets us to heaven. But it doesn't. It's like we're standing before the throne room of God. And and we say, I don't, I don't have enough to get into heaven. I didn't do enough good works. I could have done more. I could have been better. I could have been kinder. I could have, I could have been more loving. And it's like Jesus saying, you don't have to worry about that. I, I got you. I paid for you already. It's paid in full. On the cross, it, it is finished, he said, which is the word that means paid in full. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 22 and 23, but... You are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the greater the hope, the greater the price to obtain what you hoped for. The greater the hope, the greater the price. To obtain what you hoped for. Heaven is a great place. Jesus wants us to see it. He paid the great price for it. That's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, the ultimate sacrifice of God gave us the ultimate life with God. His sacrifice gave us life. And so now we have eternal life with him. Our world is filled with crime, terrorism, corruption, political agendas, sickness, death. One can almost feel hopeless. But can you imagine one day that we will stand before God and be in a place called heaven? It's a greater hope. I'm going to welcome Tiffany back up along with Glenn. And You may have heard this song before. It's a familiar song. But I just wanted us to be reminded that this is not our home. We're citizens of heaven. And whenever we lose hope, we got to remember that hope is alive. It doesn't go away. It doesn't die. Hope is alive. Can you just imagine what God can do? And what will happen with us? when one day we're going to be with Him. One day we're going to see God face to face. One day we're going to be with Him in heaven. One day we're going to see our loved ones once again for those who who have called upon the Lord as Savior. One day we're going to see them. We're going to meet our ancestors. We're going to meet people who have gone home to be with the Lord. But until then, we can only visualize and imagine what God is doing. Would you welcome Tiffany and Glenn as they sing to us this morning? bow your heads with me as we close in prayer let's pray for a moment Lord this this hope that you have given to us is a, is a greater hope than we could possibly imagine but you've given us imagination, you've given us a mind to think and, and, and yeah maybe we cannot fathom what it will be like but we can only imagine You've given us hope far beyond the grave. Some of us have recently seen some tragic things and are going through it right now. That's why it's so comforting to know that we have a greater hope in you. Pray for anyone here today, Lord, that maybe they're going through a a tough time I pray for your comfort and your peace. I pray that you would give them that greater hope to remind them how good you are. And that if they believe in you, then we have a home. Eternal life with you. Maybe we just needed to be reminded that we're going to heaven and maybe there are some today, Lord, they don't know you. They don't, they don't know about this free gift. But, but now they, they have a hope. And the Bible says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're here today and you're saying, I want to be saved. I want to have that greater hope. I, I, I never knew I could. I never knew God would accept me. I never knew he loved me just where I am. I didn't know Jesus paid the price for my sin. I thought I had to do something. But no, God loves you and wants you to be with him. We're going to pray this morning. We're going to pray together. Even if you've said this prayer a thousand times, it's it's maybe a reminder for some of us. But for those who want to give their hearts to Jesus today, when you say this prayer, mean it with all of your heart. Let's pray this together. I'll say the words and you repeat. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that I have in you. I give you my heart. I give you my life in exchange for yours. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, would you just lift a hand real briefly? Just like how Tiffany was saying. You, you lift that hand. What you're saying is, I said yes to Jesus today. Anyone here? You said yes to the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? You felt that tug and you, you know God heard your prayer. Okay you can put your hands down. Lord, we thank you for giving us eternal life. We thank you for the greater hope, the free gift and the home, the house that you're preparing for us, the mansion, whatever it looks like, Lord, in heaven. we trust in you and we thank you. in Jesus name we pray and we all said, Amen, can we just applaud the Lord this morning and And thank Him for being a wonderful Father.